Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I have a brand new course out that I think you're going to love. If your week feels overbooked every Monday morning, now may be just the right time to transform your calendar so you can feel your best and achieve your ambitious goals. My new 10-episode course helps you maximize your week with practical, actionable, and easy-to-implement time management strategies. Maximize Your Week for Health and Productivity is available now, exclusively on Himalaya Learning. Himalaya Learning is an audio learning platform that provides an extensive library of courses straight to your ears from the world's greatest minds, like Malcolm Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, and more. To listen to this course and others like it, go to Himalaya.com slash Maximize and enter promo code MAX at checkout to get your first 14 days free. Hope to see you there. What does your best productivity system look like? Have you optimized your flow, tracked your habits, or streamlined your systems? Well, if not, my guest today is here to help with all of that and more. This is the 5AM Miracle, episode number 376, Accelerated Productivity, Planners and Systems with Arthur Worsley. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guest today studied psychology, philosophy, and physiology at Oxford, where he specialized in brain chemistry. He now works full-time thinking and writing about learning and living well. And now here is my interview with Arthur Worsley. So we tried to talk before, and our interview kind of failed due to some tech issues. And so on this uh, this try, number two, uh, let's just dig into productivity from your perspective. I want to hear uh, your take on when productivity really like hit your radar as being valuable, and and what role it plays for you today. Yeah, I think um, I think I said this. It's going to be hard because I'm going to be half having my my answers from last time in my head. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, I mean, it, I think for a lot of people, and, and certainly for me, uh, my journey into productivity came from a place of, of need. So I was uh, studying psychology, philosophy, and physiology at Oxford. Um, and despite the university rules, I was running two businesses in my free time and managing um, an investment property. And I just felt like everything was about to collapse in my head. My mum my always said that my uh, eyes were too big for my stomach. And it turned out that wasn't just for food. So, um, so I was. I remember the point where I was in my sort of second year of university, and I was trying to manage all of these spinning plates. Um, and I felt like I just my head was going to explode. You know, things kept on slipping through the net. I would forget things. And I, uh, I think I picked up Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, and then I picked up David Allen's Getting Things Done, and uh, and that was sort of the start of a slippery slope. And and like all these things, it's it's less of an obsession with productivity as it was. I just saw the results that it was getting me. You know, the first time I emptied my head and got stuff down on paper and had a system that I trusted. And, and all of a sudden, I, I uh, finally had the tools that I needed to achieve the things that I was wanting to achieve. And, and that was the beginning of the journey. Yeah, I think that's really what productivity is all about is it's using those tools to get the results you want. And so let's talk about those tools for a second. You mentioned GTD and David Allen and Tim Ferriss. Which of these tools do you use today and which ones do you tend to find the most valuable? I think um, so. Personally, I use Getting Things Done, which is David Allen's sort of, I guess, 
system for dealing with the bottom up, the stuff that flows into your life from all the sources, you know, all the stuff that just tends to accumulate, whether it's needing to fix a boiler or, a, you know, a meeting that's coming up or a request from a colleague or friend or loved one. Um, so I use that to create a system where um, everything has a place um, and I put everything in its place. And so that empties my head and lets that think of other things. And then, so that's my bottom up approach. And then from the top down, I've actually developed my own system uh, kind of out of necessity, um, uh, which helps me work out what's important, uh, split life into eight different areas across five different time horizons and basically gives me an end-to-end -end system. So I know that what I'm going to do today fits into my weekly goals, fits into the outcomes I'm working on this year, fits into my visions in each of those eight areas and then fits into what I want out of life and purpose. Um, so uh, something I learned while I was working at McKinsey is to always break the problem down. And so that's what I, I do there. And that's actually what I, um, I, there's not a lot of that there's a lot of very high level stuff, you know, what's your vision and mission um, out there. There's a lot of sort of low level stuff, kind of GTD, you know, how do you get on top of what's on your plate? But there's very little that connects the two. There's, there's nothing that connects the dots. And so that's what I actually teach to people now. Yeah. What would you say is probably the, the missing piece in terms of productivity? Because you just hit on a few of those like core nuggets there. I mean, obviously, there's the tools and there's the, the results that we want. So how do you kind of piece those things together in terms of making sure that let's say you have a client you're working with and someone who they want to achieve big goals? Like, how do you get from that that day to day nitty gritty stuff uh, to those larger objectives being met? Yeah, I think it's just about um, it's just about making uh, the breaks in the right place, right? So some people go, okay, I'm I'm working on stuff today, and you know, it's very uh, depressing to work on your ninety day goals when every day it doesn't feel like you're getting any closer. Uh, and from the top down, it's very hard to see, okay, well, I've got this ninety day goal, but what do I do today? So it's all about breaking the problem into into small enough pieces to digest, but not so small that the problem becomes a problem itself to manage. If that makes sense, you know, if you split it from you know uh, today and then you had a hundred layers all the way up to your vision that would just be totally uh, unusable but if you uh, so I use five layers and the same goes for the different areas of life a lot of people think of life as work life balance and I, I hate this work life um, comparison because life is really uh, much much broader than just life so people get very stuck about thinking oh what 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 do I want out of life and that's an impossible question to answer but if you break it down into you know what do I want for my physical health what do I want for my mental health what do I want for my friends and family what do I want for my relationships and suddenly those problems become much much uh, more easy to answer so uh, in McKinsey we talked about um, breaking a problem down into pieces that were messy uh, mutually exclusive and collectively exhaustive and it's it's finding a framework that helps you think about these things that that helps and that's the that's the bones, I guess, if you will. And then it's about uh, creating the processes, which is the heart that pumps the blood around that system, which keeps it going. So it's, you know, lightweight, manageable things which don't make you miserable. You know, what do you do first thing in the morning? What do you do at the end of a work day? What do you do in the evening? You know, what do you do on a weekend or, or during your weekly review? Um, so that's the sort of holistic uh, view. So when you're scheduling your week and you're looking at all these different components, like what are you trying to get out of a given day? Do you send a focus on like, here's my you know, top two objectives for today and I'm going to tackle those first thing in the, in the morning? Or how do you view like what's most important to focus on? So I use a, a tool which I created called the Traction Planner, which um, lots of people use a 90-day productivity planner and it has all my favorite day-to-day -day productivity tools in it. 
very tactically. This is very, very tactical. Uh, what I would do is I would look at um, all of the weekly goals that I've set for myself and I would look at my next action list and I would pick up to six priority actions that I want to work on today. So that's the very first thing I do. And then I prioritize those things. So I ask myself, if I could only do one thing on this list uh, and I only had time for that, what's the one thing on this list I would do? And then the next thing I do is something called time blocking. Um, I don't do it in my calendar. If you're time blocking in your digital calendar, then that's uh, that's a... A, a, a very, very bad habit and one to get out of. So I do it on a piece of paper. Um, I do it in the planner uh, and I basically plan out my ideal day. You know, it's not saying this is a plan I must stick to or my day has failed. It's saying, you know, if everything went awesome today, um, if everything went okay, how, how would I fit these six things that I've planned in my schedule along with the meetings I have, along with, you know, all the other stuff that I have to do. Um, and I plan that out as an ideal schedule. And, and that's how I keep I set every day up for a win, basically. So I know at that stage that I kind of have a rough plan out for the day. And I know that the six things that I've picked fit into the bigger picture. So they fit into the weekly goals, which fit into the outcomes that I'm working on, which fit into the other things that I'm working on and so on. So I know that the, the, the bottom feeds the top and the top feeds the bottom. So you said that time blocking is not best on a digital calendar. Can you explain that yeah. a little more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, a super, super common mistake I see people making is they try and block out their calendars. We've, we've all seen this. I, I work a lot with um, CEOs or uh, retired entrepreneurs who've sold their first businesses um, and, uh, and they show me their calendar and it's triple booked. You know, it's this awful like mess. It looks like a, a Smurf or has vomited Skittles onto their calendar you know, and everything's <laughs> like next to each other and there's like three and what happens is they just end up not using their calendar at all so so your calendar should only contain things which you must do at a specific time so that's appointments that's meetings that's places you must go the moment you start layering things you could do or would like to do or things like that what you've done is you've confused what's on your calendar so when you look at your calendar you're you're then having to work out oh is this something I, I had to do or was this something that I wanted to do and you start during the day having to reshuffle things on your digital calendar and what that creates is resistance I mean, one of my favorite phrases uh, I tell all my students is that friction is the enemy of action right and that that sort of cuts both ways we can talk about that later but whenever you create friction you make yourself less likely to use something the moment your productivity system becomes more complicated the moment your calendar becomes you have to think when you look at it you just stop using it um, and so if you start trying to time block on a digital calendar where you have all of your actual physical appointments, you will neither do a very good job of keeping track of your actual must-do appointments, nor will you do a very good job of keeping track of the things that you would like to do today. And so it's much better to take that stuff off uh, when you're planning your day and doing your time blocking, take it off and do it on a piece of paper um, so that you still have the true version of your calendar, which you can look at and quickly see, are oh, these were the three meetings that I had today or whatever it is that's going on. I really like that. And it's a really interesting way to look at what's going on. How do you then track the things that you want to do? So you know, if your calendar only has today has two meetings and then you have you know, time outside those meetings, how are you choosing then what to what to work on next? Yeah, so that's where the ideal schedule comes in on the traction planner. So I'm using the first thing I do when I'm so if I if I dial straight back, so I've got my six priority actions for today. And then what I'm doing is I go, I have a, a sheet in the daily pages of the Traction Planner. Um, and on the left-hand side, um, it says ideal day and the second column is actual day. That's on one page. So on the ideal day, the first thing I do is I go to my calendar and I quickly jot down what are the actual meetings that I have in my day onto the planner. So I fill those out first in the ideal day. And then what I do is I start tracking, I start time blocking what it is that I want to do in my calendar um, on a daily basis. And then uh, over the course of the day, what I'm doing is I'm tracking my time. So 
I'm actually saying, oh, how did I actually use my time? Not in a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a big fan of apps that track it to the very second or anything like that, sort of in 15 minute blocks, just a little dash, oh, I did this. And what that helps you do is compare what you wanted to do with what you actually got done and, and you learn a huge amount from that. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, in terms of comparisons and, and weekly reviews, how do you look back at what you did and analyze your week? Because I know for me, my review process takes about an hour and a half a week, and I'm looking back and, and trying to figure out how to plan the next week effectively. What kind of a process are you going through when you're looking at your, your what you did and then trying to figure out to what to do next? Is there a specific you know process you go through or things you're looking for, or how are you optimizing your time in, in that sense? Yeah, and I think those are slightly different activities. So when, when I do a weekly review, I split it into four different things. The first is getting clear. So that's clearing out all of your inboxes, uh, getting everything into your system, basically, so that what I call your satellite inboxes, all the little places in your life, which fill up with stuff, you know, your text messages, your emails, whatever it is, uh, all end up in your system. The second is getting current, which is where you look through your whole system and just remind yourself of what's in there. It's kind of like looking in the pantry cupboard and going, oh, what have I actually got before you go to the supermarket? You know, what do I need to get? Uh, next. The third one is uh, reviewing last week. So the way that I review last week is I ask myself three questions. I say, uh, what went well? You know, it's the first thing I like to focus on. Like, what were my wins for this week? What did I do really awesome? Right? The second one is, what lessons did I learn? You know, what things surprised me this week that I wasn't expecting? And the third one is, you know, what are my opportunities for improvement? You know, based on what went well and, and what surprised me this week, what could I do next week that would be slightly different that would help it go 1% better? And the, the joy, again, uh, I, I'm harping on about the traction planner, but the reason I created it is because it contains and, and helps systematize all these behaviors is that every single day I have a small little section of reflection where I look back and I ask those same three questions. I go, oh, what, what went well today? You know, what did I learn? You know, what can I do differently? And then what I'm doing is over the, at the end of the week, I can just very easily read back over the last five days and take the highlights from each of those sections. Ah, oh, that went really well. Or this, you know, this was something that I learned this week. Or, ah, oh, this is something that came up on two or three days. Um, so again, it's all about having the tributaries feed the rivers, feed the oceans. Yeah, I like that. And I, that's a good, like simple process that makes sense. 
Um, in terms of the bigger picture, and so you have you know your smaller goals that are feeding into your larger ones. How do you go about deciding on what to do next? I know a question that I get frequently from you know listeners and my own clients is you know how do I choose the next big move in my life or business? Because there's a lot of options out there. You know, I know myself; I have a hundred ideas a day. Like, yeah, yeah. how do you go about filtering the ideas and possibilities uh, to get down to the ones you're actually going to take action on? I think um, I think prioritization is uh, such an important skill, and you do it slightly differently at every single layer um, of what you're doing. So, for example, if I'm working on my daily stuff, I already gave an example of one question, which is you could look at the list and go, if there's only one thing that I could do on this list, what would it be? You know, it's called, uh, uh, you know, and then you just basically go, okay, it would be this one, and then you exclude that one from this, and you look at your remaining five things, and you go, if there's only one thing on this list that I could do this week or today that would make today a success or make this week a success, you know, what would it be, and then so on and so forth. So that's one way that you can do it. Um, another way to do it is to actually invert the question, is to go, you know, what what wouldn't I do? You know, what are the things on this list that I'm least... Uh, there's a lot of different metrics that you could go about. So if you were, for example, doing it for business and revenue was your most important thing, you might go, okay, well, which of these things uh, is going to produce the most revenue? Which one is the easiest? Which one is uh, the most complicated? Which one requires the most investment um, in terms of time? So you basically need to work out what are the uh, what are the the things you want to optimize for. And then if I was, um, what, what I would do personally, what I like to do is create a sort of a, a rough numeric system. So if I had five ahead of me, I would go, okay, I'm going to optimize for excitement, which I think is super important um, and interest. I'm going to optimize for uh, ease of implementation. So which of these is the easiest to do, right? And then what I would do is I would maybe go down that list of five uh, five opportunities and I would give them a score from one to five. And I would say, okay, well, I'm a five out of five on excitement on this, but it's a one out of five for impact and a three out of five for ease. Uh, super, this is a super, super simple technique. And then what all you do is you add up the scores, right? So anything that, that scores 15 is something that you should probably do right away. Anything that scores one is something that you can probably leave until later. Um, and that's not going to give you a perfect answer, but it's going to ha- at least eliminate that list, cut it down to maybe two options that you then just have to pick from. And then I think there's a lot of, you know, going with your gut. I think uh, one of the things that people fear the most is they go, oh, I pick an option. I'm now committed to that for the next thousand years. You know, that's all. <laughs> I'm in, I'm all in. And, and so people don't take action because they're worried that by making a choice, they're fully committed. But I think when you realize that it's okay to make mistakes, what you do is you go through an exploratory phase. You know, okay, I'm going to go and see how it feels. You know, I have a gut feeling about if it's going to be easy or have high impact or be exciting. But you might find that when you're three days in, you actually didn't know, you know, as much as you thought you did. So then it's just about experimenting. People always go, you know, marketers, they go, oh, should I do this or should I do this? You know, should I use, and you're a fantastic copywriter and, and you know, people are like, oh, should I, should I create a title like this or this? And the, the first thing that all marketers learn is to test, 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 you know, test everything. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to test it for two years. It means you could just try it for a, for a few days, try it for a few hours, see what happens, see how you feel about it. So that's how I would, I would go about prioritizing some of those big things. You know, another issue that I tend to deal with myself, and I know I get this question a lot from other people, which is dealing with, I guess, the simple idea of overwhelm and stress. You've said yes to a lot of things. Your schedule looks scary and daunting to approach. Like, Do you find yourself in that position where you just, you've said yes too many times or that maybe your projects have just kind of grown too large? And and what do you do to keep a a sustainable calendar going forward? Yeah, so I I think the single biggest problem I see... um, high achievers make is they try and take on too much stuff. Um, you know, they, I, I still remember the day that I sat down 
And I felt every week, I knew I was working really, really hard. I knew I was doing stuff. And I always felt like I just hadn't got what I wanted to get done, done during the week. So I, d- I thought to myself, all right, let me write down all the things that I currently have, I currently have on my plate, you know, an inventory of the stuff. And let me work out how many hours I think I'm putting into it or how many hours I think I should be putting in it every, every week. You know, what am I expecting of myself at the moment? And there are 168 hours in a week. And I think my total came out uh, somewhere closer to 250 hours. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so I instantly realized that I was basically in debt, you know, no matter how hard I worked, I was always going to feel like I was failing and slipping behind, even if I was working, even if I didn't sleep and and didn't eat and didn't do anything and worked the full 168 hours, I was going to feel like a failure, right? Now, personally, what I aim for these days, it depends a little bit about what's going on in your life, but I aim a little bit to be actually 80% underutilized, sorry, 20% underutilized, so only 80% utilized. So whatever you know, I work out basically, okay, well, this is how many hours I have in the week. This is what I've got going on. This is how much sleep I want to get. This is, you know, time for this and that. And then I try and work out, okay, well, I'm going to take 20 or 30% off that. And then I'm going to schedule the, because there's something called Hofstadter's law, right? Where everything takes longer than you think it's going to take. (laughs) So you create a little buffer, right? Uh, And you also, there's stuff that pops up in your day. You know, you don't want to be rigid or inflexible or, or, you know, not be able to work on something cool that comes up. So I try and under schedule my time um, so that I always have what I call buffer for time during the day, which is an hour or an hour and a half or two hours of time where I, I haven't thought through what I'm going to do in that time. It can either fill with stuff that didn't get done during the day or a project I'm excited about. So the answer is yes. I, you know, it was a problem that I really, really struggled with. And I think the that almost the more you're achieving and the, the more excited uh, you are by your goals, the more likely you are to fall into that. Um, but it's kind of like being in debt. You know, if, if your expenses are bigger than your income, then you can only sustain that for a little while before you basically implode and go bankrupt. So the, the trick is to just try and balance your books at all times. And, and there's many different ways to do that. But saying, say, there's actually many ways to say no. Um, and there are many options before you say no. But, um, but it's always to make sure that you're not over, overspending your means or not over, overreaching too, too much. So from that perspective, let's imagine that you have underutilized your calendar. You've got some free time. What do you tend to do with that extra margin? Are you just going to continue to work on things in the moment you think are important? Or how do you, I guess, what do you do with that extra margin? It just depends how I feel on the day. You know, sometimes I spend it just being happy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I spend it with... uh, with a friend, sometimes I'll just go down my list of people who I haven't caught up with and, and call them. Sometimes it's, you know, I use that margin because oh, I decided that I was going to get this thing done in the morning, but then a call came up suddenly. And so I have to shift it to another time. But suddenly, because I have that buffer time, I get to the end of every single day. And I've, it's almost always a win, right? Because I made it, I made it easy for myself. And it's not about making it so easy for yourself that, that, uh, that it gets boring, right? You need to, that's why you use the kind of 20% buffer time, but, but you don't, what I see too many people do is they, they try and fill their day with, you know, they try and squeeze everything, they go, I'm going to do all of these things. And then what inevitably happens is chaos kicks in, things take longer than they think, and they get to the end of every single day and they feel like a failure, even though they did an amazing job, right? So the trick is to set yourself up for success and then you'll love what you're doing and then you'll get up and do it every single day and you won't procrastinate as much and you won't feel distracted and overwhelmed. So even though it feels weird, you'll feel much, much happier doing less well than you do by trying to do a lot very badly. 
Totally agree. That's definitely spot on right there. Um, and, and speaking of that, I feel like a lot of us, when we're trying to do those big things, we get distracted with a lot of things. And one of the areas that I have focused on a lot is focus. And I'm curious in terms of how you go about working in terms of maybe it's the location of where you're working or the way that you block distractions. Like, do you turn your phone off during the day? Or how do you make sure that when you're working on what you said you would do, that that's all you're doing as opposed to finding yourself getting pulled in a thousand directions? Yeah, I mean, we, I, I said a bit earlier that friction is the enemy of action, and that works in two ways. So, um, so the first is to try and reduce friction in the direction. Instead of thinking myself, a lot of people think of themselves as, as a river going downstream. I think of myself as someone who moves little pebbles in the river, so the river automatically directs itself in the direction I want to go. You know, I don't want to be standing in the river trying to force it one way. I just create little barriers where I don't want to go and I remove little barriers where I do want to go. So things like hiding your phone behind your laptop or putting it in a totally different room, things like uh, learning how to uh, block certain websites, uh, things like uh, all those things will help you create the kind of um, little barriers that make it difficult to reach distractions. So something which I love to tell people to do is just keep a little piece of paper beside their um, beside their laptop. And every time they catch themselves distracted, maybe they're on YouTube, maybe they're browsing their phone, maybe whatever it is, just make a little note on, on the piece of paper. Don't judge yourself. It's cool. We all do it. Um, you know, but just make a little note. And at the end of the day, take a look at your little note of paper and come up with one little idea for how you could make it slightly harder to do that thing tomorrow. You know, maybe it's uh, putting your phone in a different room. Maybe it's working out how to block a website. Maybe it's downloading an app that lets you selectively block that thing. Maybe it's working from a slightly different space where you're not going to get disturbed by whoever it was who distracted you or whatever it is. And if you just do that, even if you just did one of those things every single day, by the end of the year, you would have eliminated, you know, maybe not 365, but certainly hundreds of little distractions or made them harder. And you'll find that without much effort, you will naturally focus much more. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. That's a great solution. Yeah, I, I love the idea of just recording what happens. I mean, that's one thing that you know people do this with a, like a food journal. They'll look at you know what did I eat last week, and you know based upon that, I can see the the, the trends over time. But that, I think that same thing applies with productivity. You have a really good point here of just kind of jotting down what you're doing throughout the day. That's one thing that 
I don't do enough, but I know that when I do it, it's incredible. I guess the self-awareness that comes with that of being able to say, like, you can see your own kind of mistakes and your own tendencies. And then those, I think, are, are so valuable in terms of figuring out, you know, how to move forward in a way that that leverages your strengths, but also really does block those areas where, you know, you're the weakest. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I call to so the program, the, the planner, the, um, the masterclass that I teach, the coaching I do, I called it traction. And the reason I called it traction um, is because actually the track is spelled T-R-A-C-K. T-I-O-N. Uh, and the reason is I think people are super, super smart. You know, if you're listening to this, you are incredibly smart and you know exactly what you need to do to stop procrastinating, to stop distracting yourself, all those things. What you're missing is the clarity about what's actually going on. And the moment you have the data, you just instantly make better decisions, right? Now, it doesn't mean you need to track every, I see people, they, they get het up, they're tracking 300 things a day, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So it's about, it's about tracking just the little things that you're working on right now. You know, if you're working on distraction, just write down the things that distract you. If you want to know where your time goes during the day because you get to the end of the day and you, and you don't know what you did with your time, just track your time. If you want to know uh, the habit that you're working on, is it happening or not? Track the habit, track the metric, track whatever it is, but track one or two small things and you will naturally make better decisions that help you. don't need someone to tell you what to do. You're, you're already super smart. You just need the data to make it happen. So in terms of, of daily habits and wanting to make sure that you're, you're sticking with your schedules long term, do you have a specific set of habits you're trying to achieve or you're just kind of like following the system that you've built? I'm asking this mostly from a perspective of let's call it like health and productivity because a lot of habits that we have are based upon things like I'm going to go to the gym today. I'm going to meditate today. I'm going to make sure I've got my water today. Like how do you incorporate those types of habits in with a system designed for productivity? Because I know for me, I, I tend to find that there is friction between me wanting my own personal health goals to fit with my my business goals. So I'm curious for you, how do those things kind of work together? The question is a bit tricky for me because I see, so the way I think about productivity is, is holistically um, and end-to-end. And so I don't see those things as, I mean, there's always competition between where to spend your time, but I don't see them as mutually exclusive or as, as in, really in competition with each other. The way that I like to, to look at life is, am I living a holistic, happy, balanced life? You know, it's the things that you're ignoring that tend to create the fires and explosions in your life that tend to then blow up, you know, and, and distract you. It's ignoring your relationship for too long. It's not looking after your health for too long. And so um, the trick is to just just always be building little habits in. One of the first things I get people to do is I, I, I take the eight areas of life, and, and this is in the planner as well, and it says, okay, well, which area of life are you least satisfied with right now? You know, where are you really struggling? Um, and what I ask people to do is I say, okay, well, set one habit, build one character trait, track one metric, and make the first thing you do every day push towards improving that area of life. And so what you're doing there is you're prioritizing. Rather than trying to build habits in all eight areas of life at once, what you do is you just focus on the lowest one, you know, the straggler that's hanging out at the back, and you push that one forward. And if you do that, then at the end of the month, the, the one thing you do every day will push your score up. And the habit, character, trait, and metric will build a foundation under it. So when you turn your attention somewhere else, it doesn't drop back to a two out of 10. You know, it, it helps you uh, ritualize the behaviors that are going to keep it uh, and keep you happy in that area of life. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, that's a good focus. I think the, the simple tracking of a single habit, that, that's a really, it, it's a simplistic way to, to go about it, but that's, I think, most effective for most people. Uh, and speaking of those types of habits, there's one that I tend to, 
I, and maybe it's like one of my greatest weaknesses in terms of productivity, which is that I love to check on a lot of data, everything from my email to my website traffic to downloads of the podcast to like you name it. I'm always looking at this information, but I don't always take action on it. I'm curious as to how you view all those inputs that we have access to, all that data, all the information. Do you have are those just built into the way that you're getting your stuff done? Or do you have like specific time frames where you go and check all that stuff and then take action on it? Like, how do you manage that? Like the access we have to all this information and then being able to figure out how your time is spent using it well. I think it really depends what job you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, I, I, the, a question that I think we all should ask ourselves more often is so what? you know, so what, you know, I want to do this. So what, so what, you know, cause that's really a different way of saying why, like, why do I want to do this? Why do I, why am I checking this data? Why am I achieving this? If you know what your goals are, if you're super crystal clear on what success looks like, then uh, instead of, you know, standing in your tool shed and uh, playing with your tools, you don't really have a plan, uh, which kind of is, you know, I guess uh, quite pragmatic. So it's not that it's pointless, but it, you know, it's interesting, but it's not certainly useful. So it's all about simplifying and, and keeping things as simple as possible. And the only way to simplify is to have a very clear idea of what you want to achieve and start with the end in mind. Once you know what you want to achieve, actually selecting the right tools for the job and not using other tools becomes a much easier process. Yeah, certainly. And I like that. I think you, you seem to be a very, like, just pragmatically thinking person, which I think is really interesting, too, because I know that when I, when I meet people who are really good at productivity, they're very objective about what's happening. And that's one thing I see a lot of people who are struggling with their goals is that there's a lot of, I wouldn't call it like inappropriate emotional attachment, but it seems as though there's a lot of emotion tied into the work because we're passionate about the things that we're doing. Like, how do you manage like staying objective about the, the information and your life and your goals while not getting too, I guess, like wrapped up in it? I think there are two two answers to that question. The first is um, that I don't always, and, and I often don't, I often get very uh, wrapped up in my emotions, but my, I think I've spent a lot of time working on becoming friends with those emotions. So, you know, when I feel anxious, when I feel sad, or when I feel angry or whatever it is, rather than trying to do the work, even though I feel those things, I, I try and stop and listen to what that's telling me about myself. You know, oh, I, I feel anxious today. Like, what does that mean? Like, am I actually still doing the right thing? Am I doing something different? And so I don't get anxious about feeling anxious. You know, I don't get anxious about feeling angry. I don't get anxious if I have a sad day or a super happy day or whatever it might be. So that's the first thing. The second is I, I think it also just comes from a place of having done it for a long, long time. You know, um, when you... If I, if I put you in a race car and I said, hey, I want you to drive this Formula One track and I want you to do it at 130 miles an hour and you'd never driven a Formula One car before, I think you'd be incredibly anxious. You know, <laughs> if you were a professional Formula One driver, then you can be much more uh, prosaic. About, you, know, you can be much more chilled about the whole thing because you've done it 150 times, right? So I think the, the other thing is, is it just comes from practice. You know, it just comes from having done it a lot and, and remembering also that productivity is a, is a means and not an end. Um, you know, there's more to life than productivity. If, if your productivity system is making you miserable, if it's making you unhappy, if it's not helping you achieve the goals that you want, if it's taking, you know, 20 hours a week to maintain, then, then something's not right. And that's okay. It's okay to, to stop, step back and go, Oh, how could I make this easier? You know, simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. Uh, you know, if you can't, if you couldn't do it on paper, don't use a software application to solve the problem. If you, if you find yourself hating every minute of, of the, the review, then change the review. You know, it's, um, you just make it fun. 
Yeah, and speaking of fun, this is one thing that I have been like really focusing on, I think in this last couple of years especially, is that one of the filters that I use as far as choosing my next projects really has to do with, you know, am I really excited about this? Uh, as an example of that, like I'll get an email from someone who's like asking me to do a new project. And one of the, my first questions is that, you know, would I like just be really excited to do this? And if the answer is no, then I tend to walk away. Like, do you have a, I mean, you mentioned this earlier, the idea of scoring your projects. How important is it for you in terms of your like the excitement factor the fun factor in terms of choosing the work that you do i think it's huge i think um i think listen you don't have to you can go through all of life and and fight it the whole way through and you'll still achieve goals you just be very unhappy the whole way through i think (laughs) when you love something you know when you love someone when you're excited about something you you go the extra mile. You, it's subconscious. You just, you know, you want to get up and do it. You're, you're passionate about it. You'll learn the little details that other people won't. And, and that's what helps you succeed. I think, though, there are two ways to solve the excitement problem. So a lot of the time I wake up and maybe I'm not excited about the goal that I'm on. And, and what, I, what I wouldn't recommend everyone doing is the moment the excitement disappears, that you, you know, you give up on whatever it is that you're doing. And the, one way that you can solve that is you can ask yourself, am I not excited by this thing that I'm trying to do? Or am I not excited by the way that I'm approaching the problem? Right. So, for example, um, you know, I have a, a goal where I, I like to help other people succeed. It's what I work on on my blog. I like to teach people I like to learn and teach myself you know what's the art of living like how do you live the best life you possibly can and for a long time I've been writing articles and I got to a point one day where I was waking up and I thought you know I'm just not excited to write an article today I feel like I've kind of reached the end of it and I woke up too many days in a row feeling that way and and I thought gosh does that mean I'm not excited by my goal anymore I thought well what if I instead of deciding I'm not excited by a goal what if I just change the way that I do that so what if I actually started doing more of these podcasts, doing interviews? What if I started reading different books? What if I started producing, I'm enjoying uh, using no-code applications to produce apps. I created an app that lets you track your emotions and and has a breathing timer and stuff in it. And suddenly I was excited again to attack the same problem from a slightly different angle. So, So excitement is huge, but if you don't feel excited by your work or by your relationship or by whatever it is, then uh, I would encourage you not to, to think, okay, well, that means I have to give up on this, this problem. Maybe it's just a case of changing how you approach the problem instead of, of what it is that you're doing. Yeah, this is one thing that you and I just recently talked about was that I had a similar thought with my podcast itself where I was looking into, you know, how can I, you know, buy a better microphone or, or dig into the tech mm-hmm. more or, or find that other angle of what what would it take to ensure that, you know, this thing that I've been doing for a while stays something that I'm still excited to do. I think that that can be with anything we take on like that over time, those things can become ruts and they can become a drag and a grind and you lose that fun factor. But yeah, I love this idea of, of looking for yeah that new perspective perspective of, of what it takes to to find that new fresh energy with something for sure i mean if you're working i assume people listening to this are working on their productivity right and and every single thing that you learn has this exciting initial phase where you're learning a ton of stuff and you feel super excited and then there's this sort of slow grind through to mastery that you get going right and one of the best things that you can do is is think how can i make this more exciting you know can i buy a a planner or can I use a piece of software which I just love using or can I even buy a pen which I love using or can I can I find a community of people who reignite my love of this topic you know community is so important because we're so inspired by people and and too often when I see people who've lost their excitement it's because they're trying to solve problems in isolation no matter what problem it is that you're trying to solve you know whether it's playing tennis or 
or, you know, learning to swim or saving the world or, or getting great at your job, being around other people is an amazing way to, to reignite your excitement in the ha- via a how rather than by feeling that you need to make radical changes to the what. So, so I definitely agree with, you know, I know your, your podcast studio looks amazing. And, and I think, you know, that's, if that's what gets you out of bed and gets you, you know, excited to get working on this and helps you keep delivering value and, and doing what you love, then it's an amazing way to go about solving that problem. So what's the next big thing for you? I know you've got a lot of things on your on your plate. What is you are you most excited about right now? Well, I just got married last weekend, so uh well, sorry. congrats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty excited for that. Um, I mean, I, I I actually am probably one of the few people in the world who has a, a message on their phone saying I knew she was the one from the very first night that I met her. I text uh, text my friends four years ago. I said I think I've met the one, and I, I luckily got to marry that girl last weekend. So that's very exciting, and we're expecting a baby in um, in March, which I'm uh, also uh, very very excited for. So I'm super excited. Um, to I've really really enjoyed working uh, with you know I used to. I used to be a co. I used to uh, be a consultant. I was in finance, and then with the art of living, I was kind of just a writer. And I've really enjoyed working with people in the traction community, with my coaching clients, and things like that. Um, and so I'm very excited to 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 bring a new life into the world, and all of the uh, things that's going to change and uh, change the way that I do things, but also uh, to work with an, another human being. You know, to have another member on the team, and 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 you know try and create the happiest and and most supporting and uh, most loving environment that i can for that child and that's gonna you know that creates an, an extra tension on your own goals and, and trade-offs and things so i'm excited for the you know the next level of difficulty if you will on all of the things that we've just talked about definitely it's a wild ride to become a parent so i'm excited to see how that impacts your productivity and your goals and, and you know the art of living for you i think there's a lot uh, that changes with that but it's it's so many wonderful things that come with it so yeah i'm excited to see how that how that changes your perspective there yeah yeah me too so in terms of where our listeners can learn more from you what's the best place for them to go and, and what, what should they find there well, if they're, if they're uh, listening to this on uh, on your podcast, on your blog, then the show notes are probably a great place. I'm sure we'll leave links to, to all the things we've talked about. Otherwise, uh, theartofliving.com um, is a great place to go, um, theartofliving.com. Uh, you'll find uh, tons of stuff. I, I spend a lot of time doing book recommendations, so I, I've split the site into the eight areas of life, um, which we didn't talk about in detail, But so you can find stuff on mental health, on physical health, on productivity, on accelerated learning, on, on wealth, on business and career. Uh, and I do book recommendations. I do book summaries. I, I love writing book summaries. It's one of the ways that I learn. Um, you'll find articles. You'll find a ton of free tools, uh, you know, from productivity templates to a free chapter of my productivity primer to uh, an app, the app that I just created that helps you um, sort of track your your emotions during the day. Um, and that's probably where I'd start. I'd, I'd head to the blog, check out the free tools section, go check out if you're interested in book summaries or book recommendations, go and check out those those posts and content. Okay, excellent. Yes, yeah, so I'll have all those links for our listeners this week. And uh, Arthur, thanks again. This was a ton of fun. And for that awesome action step this week, of course, go check out Arthur's work at theartofliving.com as well as his traction planner. You know, Arthur's perspective on productivity is sharp. It's efficient and really helpful. So go to his site, theartofliving.com and check out his products. They're really, really great. And of course, for all the links this week, go to jeffsanders.com slash 376 for the full show notes page. That's all I've got for you on the show this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life, and the fun begins bright and early.
Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.